0: G'day and welcome to the Head Shepherd Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Ferguson, CEO here at Next Agri. I've worked in livestock research, farming and breeding for over 25 years. I've been very fortunate to see a lot of amazing places and meet a lot of wonderful people throughout that career. I'm reminded every day of just how awesome the livestock industry really is. It really is a great pleasure to bring you the stories and wisdom of the people in the industry via the Head Shepherd Podcast. This podcast is supported by our good friends at Orflex and MSD Animal Health, who are guided by the one mission of the science of healthy and productive animals. With these two companies now combined, they have one of the widest product portfolios in Australia with a comprehensive lineup from the Cooper's range of animal health products through to the ID and monitoring solutions that, that Orflex are famous for. Their products are all backed up by their exceptional service, and we are thrilled to continue to have their support in bringing you this podcast each week. If I could ask a couple of small favours before we get underway this week, if you could rate this podcast in the app that you're listening to it in, that would be fantastic. Also, if you know someone that you think would enjoy what we do here, please share the show links with them. Finally, if you are listening to this podcast, you're probably a big fan of livestock farming. We're setting up the Next Gen Angry Hub to be the home of livestock farming conversations. Check it out at hub.nextgenagri.com. Okay, it's time for this week's guest. Welcome back to Head Shepherd. This week... We've got a great guest, Neville Brady. Neville's from Browse Up Consulting. Welcome, Neville.
1: Well, thank you for the invitation.
0: Neville, I've had the opportunity to listen to a couple of times in the last couple of months, which has uh, been part of the crowd that you've generally had laughing and crying all in one and sometimes at the same time. Can you just, uh, I guess, tell us a little bit about your background and, and how you ended up in Browse Up Consulting and the sort of stuff you do these days?
1: Uh, firstly, with the crying bit, I hope it wasn't in disappointment. <laughs> <laughs> um, the uh, background uh, last fair income job I had was uh, in the advertising industry, and it's where I did the studies in uh, marketing. Uh, a national company bought one of the assignments from me in back in '92, and then they asked me to train their trainers in training their agents in their certain uh, personal selling process and it really led for there I was always interested in um, bio-behaviour or the psychology of it so as a mature age student um, also did studies in counselling psychology I'm not a psychologist I often say Mark I can only help people that don't need help um, and it really started from there and I was really interested in uh, a theory proposed by Professor Tory Higgins and that was the self-discrepancy theory and it's very basic. It's actual, ought, ideal. This is what I'm actually doing. This is what I feel I ought to be doing, uh, exercise, all that sort of stuff, and ideally this is what I could do. And what we've done is just apply that principle to businesses to move them from actual to ideal and develop a whole set of tools and processes to help businesses achieve that end goal of operational excellence. That's the quick background. Oh, uh, uh, Dad was a shearer. Mum was a witty woman with uh, four boys, a cow prodder and no cows. <laughs> so, so that's a bit about my background.
0: And I think from your previous stories, there was three three places set at the table for four boys to keep the competition high.
1: <laughs> well, one of the things, though, so with myself and my brothers, you you boys are so confident and always get on the front foot. And it is in jest, but I often say that Mum set had four boys and <laughs> set three places at the table. But Mark, we did eat the protein first. You know. <laughs> when we sat down. <laughs> now it was a great childhood, and family.
0: Yeah, fantastic. And when we when you say we in terms of the business, mm-hmm. is there a few that you work with, or how's that work?
1: Yeah, there's three of us, and we have some uh, other contractors. There's myself. Uh, there's a, a chap by the name of Craig Fife, who's worked at a high level in um, business managing 14 rural ag stores, and Amy Burke. Uh, who's got quali- formal qualifications in HR, got a master's in HR. So between us, we can usually realign businesses to what the ideals of their industry or the best practice benchmarks between the three of us.
0: Yeah, right. You obviously live and work rurally. Uh, yeah, your clients are more than just farmers though, It's sort of any, any business?
1: Yeah, we've done uh, work for... Feedlots, Toyota, Uh, I've done work for uh, John Deere uh, throughout Australia, Uh, uh, Rural Co, which is now Nutrien, putting in place certain programs for them around the country, but it's mainly uh, in rural Australia where we work. And it's interesting, when we work in the country, people want to know where you're from. When you work in the cities, people want to know what you do. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so we find working in country is far more enjoyable than working in the big smoke yeah
0: and i guess yeah most of the people listening are going to be nodding along with that having most of them are mm. listening in the in the country no doubt yeah so i guess if we walk into a typical farm business and we have a look around we've got a couple of generations involved and a few staff what are we if you're being called in what, what are typically the problems going down or is that too generic to
1: say Well, it is generic but also uh, very specific, Mark. Wherever you have people living together, working together, socialising together or playing sport together, there is always conflict. Can't avoid it. Um, In families, uh, everyone understands about sibling rivalry, um, uh, sometimes challenging behaviour, especially with teenagers. Um, but it's usually the reason for we're called into businesses because of the avoidance of the conflict. Um, I wrote an article once. Can you imagine if farmers and agros only dealt with the weeds or pests once they saw them in their crops, once they saw them from the road? Yeah, yeah, like too late. <laughs> yeah. It's it's the toothache and the dentist dilemma. Yeah, it's not until the toothache becomes greater than my fear of the dentist or I do anything about it. But then the dentist said, Neville, if you had been here six months ago, we would have just given a filling rather than have to extract it. So it's it's the conflict and the conflict, uh, Mark, in every situation is due to poor structures. That's just boundaries, expectations, uh, agreements around job roles, Uh, authority levels who does what Um, another one is resources another one is competencies and another one is commitment so for everyone listening structure resources competencies commitment and in a family mediation for example we always start with structures what what are the rules but it's uh, always unhealthy conflict that's that's a root cause of one of or a combination of those four things, Mark.
0: Yeah, great. And I think I heard you say in in your presentation around, and I often probably guilty of this, where we think that we're in ag, so we can kind of do things by this, of our pants and don't need structure. And but what you find is that employees are really are actually embrace structure and like it because they can because it removes that conflict and tension out of the out of the room.
1: Yeah, everyone understands. Like if you look at a game of rugby, there's very clearly defined boundary line. Uh, there are very de- clearly defined goals where everyone knows that this is the end of This is where we're all heading in this direction. Uh, everyone understands their role. You're a front rower or you're a fullback. Um, there's rules of it. Head high tackles. Everyone understands the rules. And when we go into a family mediation, for example, even a small family, often there are no boundaries marked. So the kids keep going until they find them, which could involve Mr. Plod. And but there's strong boundaries in place. So it it doesn't move small groups to something that's full of bureaucracy or inhibiting rules and regulations. It just clears things up as far as who's involved, who does what, and it creates that teamwork, which is the basis of teamwork.
0: Yeah, for sure. And I guess in ag, which I think you've written about, there is no distinction between life and your career. I think if we talk about those city people there, they ask what you do. Yeah. Um, They can – you can be playing – doing something on the weekend that has got nothing to do with your career and the people and your mates on the weekend have got nothing to do with what you do in the, during the week. And so it's quite a – you can be crap during the week and awesome on the weekends or vice versa or whatever. Yeah. But in our rural lives, it's pretty much one and the same. And so you, like your self-worth is determined by almost yeah whether you saw the weeds or not.
1: Yeah, exactly, exactly. And it's something that there was a uh, one of our clients who we – Uh, helped with some emotional control. One of the things that upsets groups is emotional immaturity. Um, You know, eggshells around someone, Mark, where we're apprehensive about how they're going to respond. Uh, When we took him through, he was a manager in this business, and, after six months, he said, "You know the Neville, the kids now run to greet me when I get home now they instead of running in fear. <laughs> I said, Good on, you you're taking some deep breaths, <laughs> but everything that we do, mark, it has human interaction involved, everything, so it's pretty hard um to be disciplined in our work part of our life if we haven't got some discipline in our private life too
0: indeed, so." When you walk into that situation when you've got yeah, some lack of emotional <laughs> intelligence, how do you bring the best out of people? How do you get people to, I guess, be self-aware enough to know that they're, being, they're part of the problem and part of the solution?
1: <clears throat> uh, sometimes with trepidation. <laughs> well, sometimes the, uh, very often family uh, farming businesses, uh, obviously family involved, Mark, which there's an extra layer of complexity and care. Um, In normal businesses, they don't also live with each other and have dinner with each other and see each other every day. There's a break. Following that process of um, the structure, resources, competency, commitment, we actually have a farm and business inputs audit that really clearly measures uh, their starting point. Their actuals under leadership, staff engagement and accountability, continuous improvement, succession planning, uh, work environment and farming application and timing. Now, when people complete this audit, it very clearly shows everyone's uh, starting point as far as a consensus. So one of the first steps or the first step, is to confront the truth. Now, in one of the statements that we ask is we have very clear colleague support standards in place covering punctuality, work ethic, work quality, emotional maturity, uh, and being engaged. And underneath emotional maturity are certain standards like uh, keeps the eyebrows up not down like I'm really angry, Uh, there's no eggshells around this person, Uh, they give energy, they don't take it. And when people, they generally disagree with that comment that we have these in place, but they all agree that we should have them in place, Mark. So we get people to sign off on those standards and then we get their permission. I often say, Mark, if you had snot on your nose, would you like someone to tell you? And the answer would be...
0: Yep, for sure.
1: Well, Mark, you got a bit on your nose. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> and, and, but sometimes we don't. We don't actually able to give that feedback. And then we get people just to rate each other against each one of those standards and we sit down and have the chat. And, Mark, it's never come as a surprise when people rate someone poorly for emotional, maturity. And we, we just recently sat down with one person on the management team that was a cranky, uh, critical, <laughs> in-your-face in type person. And when I went through the scores with him, it didn't come as a shock. And, and I simply asked him, where do you want my help? Do you want my help to improve these scores or do you want my help to help you find another job? and said it with some humour and he said, mate, I own this place. (laughs) You know, you can't sack me. (laughs) But we tried to do it with uh, humour but it never comes as a surprise and people would rather not be that but it's just that emotional maturity and uh, I remember as a young lad I said to mum, everyone's giving me the shits. She said, oh, sweetheart, everyone can't be wrong. (laughs) So just by talking about it takes the heat out of it too. But then we give other people um, some actions around how to actually approach situations in a more adult state rather than a child throwing a tantrum. Uh, uh, Mark, which, by the way, we all do. I've done it. I've got three adult children, you know, that they weren't the easiest to live with. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah. we all we all have uh some moments that we'd rather take back.
0: Yeah, I think we've all got those in yeah, and sadly sometimes it's in professional lives and and in <laughs> our personal lives. Yes. I guess it's about yeah, trying to trying to improve ourselves. The
1: mm.
0: I guess um part of I listen to fair few podcasts on psychology type stuff and <laughs> and part of the I guess part of our job as managers and members of teams is to create that environment where you can be open. So, and challenge. I think the worst thing in a business is where you've got one person's opinion and that's the only one that matters. And I always, my staff always say that I'd much rather love, uh, much rather run a uh, dictatorship rather than elsewise. <laughs> but in fact, that's not true. Even though I'd like to, if everyone did, but told it would feel good for a day but would actually be way less, less, less productive. So yeah. um, I guess how do we create those environments where people are willing to have a go at, make sure, tell Bob when Bob's being ridiculous or yeah, having that safe environment to express themselves, I suppose.
1: Yeah, and it comes back to that structure. Um, when we have, uh, say, monthly meetings, uh, we actually structure up conflict. Uh, each, every monthly meeting is a performance review. And we get agreement uh, from people around how often should we meet? What would you like to see on the agenda? Um, And then we make sure that everyone in that team understands what they're responsible for. That's structure. And then we, uh, we then develop a report template that each, so let's say there's four or five in this team, each person comes to the team and reports. Now, it's, uh, some of the typical things that we report on is rework. What do we do twice because it wasn't done right the first time? Now, that's just giving people permission to talk about the things that give them the irrits. So if you actually put rework on your agenda, and remember the first stage of a fixing up a business is operational excellence. That's horizon one, making sure we're efficient. So if you put rework on the agenda and, in the, and the manager or owner says, okay, guys, uh, what was our biggest rework issue for, uh, uh, for the month? Now, in one farming client, they drove past dead sheep. It really irritated the owner. So we actually made that an agenda item, and that's what they're arguing over and nitpicking over But when we put it on the agenda and gave permission to talk about it, it took the heat out of it and it formalised it. So you get people's permission in um, in the report templates. So rework is one. My successes for the month, my wins and losses for the month. So I actually talk about my losses, which is conflict. You bring it out in the open, you put it on the table and you talk about it rationally in an adult way. Rather than on the run, say who the bloody hell left those sheep dead back there so it comes back to it comes back to structure and you and you and there if you have twelve meetings per year, they are twelve conflict resolution meetings, particularly mark, if you get staff to report now I remember. In one business, a young lad wasn't doing his weekly stock takes and he was often coming to work late. So guess what two things we got him to report on at his (laughs) monthly report? (laughs) How often he was late (laughs) and whether he did his weekly stock takes. And when he had to report on that, guess what happened to those friction or conflict points? They disappeared. And that's an example of... Using structure to resolve conflict.
0: Yeah, cool. And utopia isn't zero conflict, is it? Obviously, we're, we're all a, a social beings, and, and conflict is part of how we—well, certainly some of us—how we almost think stuff out, as sort of arguing a point, or sort of always run on the mantra of "strong opinions, loosely held" to sort of to force a bit of a th- thought process. Is it's true that? Utopia isn't everyone smiling and happy and patting each other on the back, though we need a bit of conflict to, to be a successful organism.
1: Mm. Uh, it, look, it, people sometimes have a very narrow uh, what conflict is. Um, at uh, conflict workshops, we ask people if conflict were a dog, and if you were to quickly answer this, if conflict were a dog, it would be a? <laughs> I don't know, What mate. type? Well, there's one. <laughs>
0: what sort that that's a Labrador, yeah.
1: <laughs> well, some people uh, pick uh, one of two types, one th- that you run from or ones that annoy you.
0: Yeah, yeah, there. Right, yeah.
1: And that's just the fight and flight. Uh, yeah, it'd be like
0: a, yeah, be a chihuahua, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah,
1: totally a chihuahua. <laughs> um, <laughs> the conflict is also when I go to a retail store, electrical retail store, to buy a toaster. Now, how many toasters have I got to choose from now?
0: <laughs> Wait, <laughs> way too many for a bloke.
1: <laughs> <laughs> too many. And the abundancy causes conflict. Which one do I actually choose? There's conflict when uh, the other week when my son uh, for a Bucks party was going skydiving and one of his groomsmen didn't turn up. Guess who they pointed to to say, Dad, you can take his spot. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, yeah. now, there's conflict. Uh, yeah. um, if we as an organism didn't suffer from conflict, we wouldn't be here. Yeah. Like exercising is conflict. It's healthy conflict. Yeah. Um, hunger is conflict. Being cold is conflict. We broaden our people's uh, understanding of conflict because conflict's fun. Uh, playing sport, so the Aussies, seeing the Aussies beat the All Blacks in rugby, is beautiful in conflict. Not that it happens that often.
0: That's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> a, a very rare.
1: Conflict. <laughs> conflict is fantastic. The right type of conflict.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah cool. Uh, moving on to, a, I guess something that's obviously plagues our industry, and that's men's health. Um, you obviously do a bit of work around that, or encouraging mm. encouraging people to to make earlier decisions. With uh, some stats you've provided to me, are pretty scary in terms of the the increase in proportion of males that suffer from a lot of illnesses?
1: Yes. This is very dear to my heart. Often people are the business. Usually I don't care about businesses, but I really care about the people in it. And there's no health without mental health. And unfortunately, uh, with the masculinity that us males often suffer from, it's a couple of reasons why we don't ask for help straight up, Mark. Now, every one of us struggle. We're human. Life is a contact sport. But males, we, we have uh, our death rate is twice that of women up to the age of 60. Yet we access Medicare services, in Australia at least, 30% less than women. And I put up a slide how this Tarzan's fighting a tiger and Tarzan's fighting a snake and wrestling crocodiles, and in the next frame, Tarzan's running from a doctor with a stethoscope. (laughs) 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 And there's this billboard uh, that I put up too that's got, this year thousands of men will die from stubbornness. See your doctor today. And someone got a spray can and sprayed paint over it no, we won't, <laughs> <laughs> and um, uh, the suicide rates, the, uh, especially with male farmers and male farm workers, uh, 400% greater than females, which we all struggle. So it's something that um, it is, uh, we say to people, get onto conflict early, Mark, whether it's on the farm, whether it's having a difficult conversation whether it's a toothache, uh, conflict isn't like a bottle of red. It doesn't get better with age. It just doesn't. (laughs) And I was doing this uh, men's health night in outback New South Wales and I said to the the audience, uh, there was a bloke mowing his lawns at home. He had to stop every couple of metres to catch his breath and he he had a pain in the chest, boys. Guess what he needed to do? And a hand went up at the back of the hall. Like it was a rhetorical question. I wasn't expecting someone. And this bloke said, "Old mate needs to go to the doctor to get a prescription for a fricking ride on mower. (laughs) (laughs) So for all you macho boys listening to this. Please go to the doctor at least once every 12 months. Your you service, your tractors, you, you invest a lot in genetics. Please go and just get a full checkup once every 12 months. Uh, nothing will shrink if you do. Get checked over, boys. <laughs>
0: That's a um, fantastic probably place to, to leave it. Now, have we got anything else you'd like to add for Australian and Kiwi listeners out there and um, Europeans? Um,
1: uh, just with the eyebrows up. When we were doing um, uh, the Men's Health Nights throughout back New South Wales, I said to the guys, when you go home, go home with your eyebrows up. If our eyebrows are down, we look angry and moods are contagious. And we followed up with their partners and I said, what have you noticed with the fellas? And one lady said, thank you for eyebrows up. It's changed the whole mood of the house. Now, in our household with my three adult um, kids, We used to have permission to tell each other eyebrows up if we're looking uh, irritable. And um, it became a bit of a catch cry in our family, you know. But one day, Mark, one day, my adult son who was 18 said, Dad, we need to have a chat, but but can your eyebrows be up? (laughs) And I said, righto. I stuck my eyebrows up and I said, righto, what's happened? He said, oh. Oh, I got done for D&D last night. <laughs> and by jeez, it's hard to keep your eyebrows <laughs> up sometimes. <laughs> but it really helps. So boys out there, if you're feeling irritable, if someone's giving you the irritants, have your eyebrows up and give them a good listening to so you don't come across as a really shitty, dominant, snappy parent. And other than that, best of luck.
0: Thanks. Neville. how can people find you if they want to? Uh, engage you to help their business.
1: Uh just uh put in Google uh browse up consulting.
0: Excellent. Right, I will put those yeah. put that link in the show notes and yeah, fantastic to have you on. It's um yeah, it's always great fun to listen to you but mm. also a lot of serious messages amongst amongst the humor and okay. yeah we really appreciate your time today.
1: Thanks. All right my pleasure. Thanks for the invite.
0: Thanks mate. Thanks for listening to head shepherd podcast. If you enjoy listening in each week please take a moment to subscribe or even give us a review, that'd be fantastic. And if you do get a moment to share it with your networks, we'd also love that, so that we can share these great stories with more people. Thanks again to our friends at Orflex for sponsoring this episode. Allflex are wonderful supporters of the Australian and New Zealand livestock industries. Combined now with MSD Animal Health, they offer one of New Zealand and Australia's largest livestock product portfolios, focused on animal health and management, all backed up by that exceptional service. We really do enjoy our long-term association with Orflex and thank them very much for, for again, supporting us with bringing this podcast to you.